0: You are listening to episode 27 of the Ball Blab Podcast. I interviewed Dr. Jim Delfino and talked to him about the Red Sox offseason thus far. Alrighty, I'm here with one of my buddies, Dr. Jim Delfino. He's a pretty good guy. He knows his baseball. So, Jim, welcome on.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So we'll talk about the Red Sox, obviously. Why wouldn't we be here? So let's look at this Red Sox offseason as a whole. You know, personally. I know you're mixed on Heimbloom. Do you think he's done a good job addressing the big holes on the roster thus far?
1: So it's a really good question, right? Because upwards of about a couple of weeks ago, I was really feeling really down about the direction of the team. You know, we seem to be losing out on, you know, a bunch of free agents, especially with these long-term and big contracts. You know, the loss of Xander Bogarts, who I think could have been addressed earlier on um not only this season but maybe even a few years back to extend him properly um and it just seemed like it was a pecking order right it was one after another after another and it just didn't seem like bloom was doing much at all we got a few um you know what i consider like really small you know on the edge people but no impact um signing until the devers extension Mm -hmm. Um, and I think with the Devers extension, you know, we do need to pump the brakes a little bit and we have to understand that this is an ownership, um, decision, not just Heim bloom. We really don't know how much he played a role in that or how much he was directed to make this happen, especially, you know, over the course of the last week or so with, you know, Henry making John Henry, the owner making, you know, an exposure at the, uh, at Fenway park and, and, and hearing some boos and, and we know that ownership, especially Tom Warner, um, we know that they really, um, that bothers them, you know, that their, their look really is important to them and how, how they're perceived has an important value. So you wonder if they, there was a direction there to make it happen. Um, so with all that being said, getting back to your original question, you know how has he done this this off season? I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I, I I'm I'm more of a pessimist than an optimist. I've always been that way, and I think after following the Red Sox for close to fifty years, you get that way. Um, so I'm going to give him a D, and and wow. it would have been it would have been an F before um, the you know the the Devers signing, and uh, the reason that, but that D could become a B. Um, and I think a lot of that depends on how well we look at things next year at this point. Um, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks.
0: Absolutely. You know, when you look at a few weeks ago, you're sitting on your ass and you're being like, what is the direction of this team? And we still don't really know, you know, extending Devers, all arrows, all fingers point at, you know, they kind of want to build off of him, which was a, is a great move if you're going to decide to do that, and also to your point about ownership. Yeah, I've gotten a much bigger sense because I thought it was you know high and bloom, high and bloom. Oh, he's cheap. I I'm putting much more blame on blame pie on ownership too because they and there's also stuff we don't know. You know. Um, is it Haim Bloom who is like, oh, this Devers isn't worth over 300 million? And he's referring to all like Austin Riley and Jose Ramirez contracts. Or is an ownership saying, oh, uh, we're going to give him, you know, we're going to give Bloom insert certain amount of money here, you know, to work with Devers? And uh, the report from Carabas apparently said the Red Sox bumped their offer 100 million after that winter classic. So, in terms of how the. Ownership views its fans, they they react they overreact. We saw that in the Mookie Betts trade. They were getting all and then ownership panicked and basically shot their other fucking leg off, too. You know,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and again, too. This is this is what concerns me because you know, the impending Bogart's extension of the additional one-year 30 million to create a four-year deal. That was an insult. And I, and I think I don't care. The the biggest Bluminati fan had to look at that as an insult, right? Um, I, I don't think anybody could actually defend that. And, and when I look at that and I look at everything that happened up to the um, Devers extension, I mean, what really made you believe that the off season was, uh, a dramatic success or, you know, him worthy of an A. Now, is, is, it, is it possible? Sure, it's absolutely possible, but it comes with its own fair questions, right? Because right now, if you look at, let's say you're starting nine, um, you've got, you know, Verdugo, who is really not a Heimblum, I mean, he's a Heimblum product, but he's he's a status quo. Yes. Um. You, you look at Kike in center field. Um, there's a very good chance he'll have a bounce back year. But to what degree is that? There's been the T- Kike Hernandez that was in the postseason in 21 who couldn't make an out. And then there's the Kike Hernandez that was in the beginning of the season, both seasons now. Yep. That was a 220 hitter. So which, you know, who are you getting there? Um, yes. Then we have Yoshida. All right. So that guy really could be, that could make or break blooms off season. But, yeah. but, but the point is, is that we don't have a track record. Correct. We, th- we think we know what we got and we hope we know what we got, but like I've said on other podcasts and even on, on Twitter spaces and things like that, he could be a 331 40 double guy. Or I could also see him batting 197 on May 1st with two RBIs. Yeah, no,
0: so a, we, a lot of uncertainty. Yep, sorry.
1: So we don't we don't know. You look around the infield now. Devers is the only certain one that we truthfully believe, right? I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at really anybody on that team, and you say, "I know what I'm. I know what I should get, barring an injury. I know I should be getting a 280, 25 to 30 home run guy." potentially 100 RBIs. I know what my expectations are there. And truthfully, he's the only one on that entire team. Mm -hmm. And Not not to belabor the point, but, you know, even Tristan Cassis, again, we don't know. The catching, we don't know. The starting pitching has three question marks if, in fact, Paxson's going to be in that rotation. And let's assume he is. Sale, Paxson, and Kluber, they could all do 30 starts. And they may not be seen until July. I have no idea. And so, when I tell you the D grade, and I know some people that you and I are uh, friendly with that would uh, would blast me for that, Um, but he could be as high as an A minus or a B plus. We just won't know until we get going.
0: Exactly. You know, I want to go back to what you said about Kike Hernandez. He could be the Kike Hernandez batting seventh who is hitting like just above the Mendoza line, or you could have the Kike Hernandez of freaking Jesus Christ himself, either one, you know, and let's, let's not forget Kike Hernandez in 21. He was not supposed to be the leadoff hitter. It was supposed to be Krishna Royal or Michael Chavis. And then they slotted him in that leadoff spot for one game. And he hit home runs, you know, remember that stretch in June of 21, late June. What's up? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And you know, he he was hot from there. Hit 250 at the end of the season, and this is year three of him. He knows Boston pretty well. He's probably in all likelihood burying some trades. Going to play center field, and he has experience there too. So that's what I like out of him. And Yoshida, you know, people say there have been mixed reports. He's going to be either so good, and like you said, Jim, I wouldn't be surprised either way if he hit 330. And like 40 doubles or like a buck 97, like you said, you know, I would not be surprised at all, but so many question marks around this roster, is it enough? I don't know. And now, and remember, we still have half the off season left and we allegedly have uh, trades with the Marlins going on, but one more question, then I'll uh, pivot to, you know, more on potential moves, you know, Devers contract. How important was it for the Red Sox to lock him up long term?
1: Um, I don't think you can come up with how important that was enough. Okay, I think in some aspects that probably makes or breaks your season in terms of. It, look, I, I I say this a lot. I say this a lot on podcasts, and I say it a lot on spaces. At the end of the day, we all have to remember that baseball is a business. We are fans. But this is a business and they and in in sports, the business of baseball is about putting asses in seats, right? You have to be able to sell tickets. You have to be able to get fans in the park. And that's what works with commissions on sales and, um, you know, food and drink and merchandise and the whole nine yards. And so that is a guy that not only does put asses in seats. It was, it, it, was, it was paramount to get that done for a number of reasons. The reason I just said, and some level of stability that other free agents and your current roster of players can get behind. Because let's face it, if you're Kike Hernandez, or you're Rob Snyder, or you're Christian Arroyo, Maybe somebody who's been here two years feels a little comfortable here now, and they see this flux with Devers as probably, look, he's our best offensive weapon, and what is going on? How do those guys on the team rally behind that situation? How does a free agent, um, like just not even Justin Turner, but some of the other ones that have, um, like uh, Noah Syndergaard, Noah Syndergaard had a better, supposedly, allegedly, had a better offer from us than he did with the, the the Dodgers, and so he he wound up choosing them. If there's no direction and there's so much question mark, it's going to lead a free agent to say, "Nah, you know, I don't know how competitive they're going to be. You know, they could be a last place team. I want a ring." Who do, who's out there that I have the best shot, especially when I, you're on the second half of your career. And I, and I basically mean like, you know, in your mid thirties and so forth. And if you don't have a ring yet, you want to go somewhere where you're going to win.
0: Correct. I, I totally agree with that. You know, I, I there was going to be, you know, all season long, if you didn't get Devers, pay Raffy, pay Raffy. And you wouldn't have gotten got him at the end of the off season because I guarantee you, Jim, if he hit free agency, he is getting a contract that starts with the number four. There is no doubt in my mind. And, you know, why wouldn't a team like the San Diego Padres, who has Manny Machado, who's going to opt out inevitably, go for a guy like Devers? Because one, good hitter. Two, knows Bogarts. Three, he he's a perfect fit. You know? Tell me.
1: Well, would- we, you know- What's oh, up? go ahead. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say. You know, tell me. Mm-hmm. Am I am I am I wrong or no?
1: No, I think you're right. You know, I mean, four hundred million is an atrocious amount of money, but I think there's some validity to that because, look, at this point, I don't think any of us really expected. I ex- honestly expected Bogarts to get. A sizable contract. Okay. I thought he was looking at an eight-year deal, 250, 240, something like that. You know, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. I, I, I thought it was it was possible, right? Correct. Um, but you know, and we obviously there's questions on like Carlos Correa, but that deal, um, the Trey Turner deal, you know, these sizable contracts for these sizable years, it it, it, it I've said it before online. I said, as the days go on. Devers contract is going up or his request is going to go higher. And if he has an Aaron judge season, and I'm not saying he's going to hit 60 home runs. I'm saying if he bets on himself and he has a monster season, it's only going to go up because if you're the Yankees and you have this conversation with judge last spring or January 7th of last year, I bet you they get judged for maybe a hundred million or at least 50 million less. Correct.
0: And the, and, and the contract offer, sorry. I interrupted. Yeah. You.
1: And, and so the same rule happens with Devers, right? He's going to be out there and no different than Bogarts. If you let him get to a point where he's going to, you know, be a free agent, you're not, you're not going to be able to keep him. Someone will outbid you no matter what number you throw at him.
0: Yes. Let's not forget Bo- Scott Boris loves to get all the best out of his players, even if it means getting 300 million over X years, 10 years, 11 years, a lot, just years. You know, is Bogart's going to be good in his 40s? You know, historically, it tell- or history tells us no. And all these teams, despite what history says, are doing it. And we've had this conversation before. How many 10-year contracts have actually worked? Jim.
1: I've I've asked that question a million times, yes, Jay. Exactly. It, it,
0: I'm 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 putting I'm crediting you for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, because it's but it's the truth, though. You know, and, and and you can't argue that point. How many contracts in the last 20 years that have been 10 years or more have you looked back at that contract and said it was worth it?
0: Right. Right. Um You know, speaking of Scott Boris, let's pivot a little bit to Carlos Correa. You know, I'm a huge fan of him. You know, there have been rumors about the Mets not getting along, and he might have to uh, resort to a short-term contract. You know, are you for that? Especially when shortstop is a question mark and the amount of power in this lineup is not that good. Are you
1: for that? So here's the thing. I'm for anything that's going to improve this team. And Carlos Correa on the Boston Red Sox makes the team better. The problem that we have in that scenario is if you sign him, and I don't care if it's a 10-year or a two-year deal, you're going over the luxury tax because we still haven't assumed the dollar values for you know the rest of the 40 man roster insurance the whole you know the whole 9 yards so you're going over and again that is going to become an ownership decision and ownership is going to have to be okay with that and i'm not quite sure if they're going to go that direction and so i have question marks about the middle infield i mean we are on january 7th Roughly what, maybe five weeks to spring training, and we have no idea who the center, or the shortstop, or the second baseman is. Yeah. So, so with that being said, and I know well the Mets don't know who their third base. We can make an argument with all that, but herein lies the point. He's an impact bat. He is a middle of the order threat. He's a home run threat. He's an RBI machine threat. He's a uh, Gold Glove and All Star threat. What's not to like?
0: Agreed, uh, you know, and we, we were talking a little bit. If Carlos Correa were to take a short-term deal, I guarantee you he'd want to go to a place where he can play shortstop and not third base. He would not want to go and play third base for the Mets for a season because that's just ridiculous because his value then would plummet and he wouldn't get as much money as he probably would get right now. That's just my take, but you know – adding a impact bat like carlos correa to your point before it it puts asses in seats if devers hadn't already the amount and i just tweeted something about you know finding something in my camera roll referring to the last game of the 22 season and the tickets holy shit the most expensive ticket the front the front row ticket was $110, and the outfield bleachers went for single-digit uh, numbers, like $4, you know? Wow. That's crazy. If you add Carlos Correa, that that won't happen, because you remember how empty Fenway was sometimes at the oh, end of the season? You remember that, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, and Carlos Correa would definitely fill asses in those seats.
1: You know, and if Tristan Cassis isn't traded and we can talk about that another time, but if he's not traded and he is going to be the impact bat that we all salivate that he's going to be. And I'm talking like, you know, and, it, you know, the standard, I think everybody is thinking is, you know, like a mark to share a comp, right? Like a 280, 30 home run potential guy. If he's that guy and you can have Devers Correa and Cassis, in your lineup at your three, four, and five guys, oh my fucking god! Right? Yeah,
0: agreed. Holy, that 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 would be the best three, four, five in all of baseball. Of if course, Casas, uh, th- and like you said, you know we don't know what Casas is, but assuming he's this big power bat that bats like two sixty and hits a fuckload of home runs, then yeah, that's going to be the best three, four, five in baseball. Well, well like it,
1: it, It'll be, it'll be, it'll be right up there with San Diego, which is going to tout out, you know, guys like Machado, Bogart, Soto and Tatis. So, I mean, but you're right there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, Carlos Correa would, you know, Anthony said, or one of our friends, Anthony said on a space on Twitter yesterday, Correa fills two big gaps. They can, kill two birds with one stone, they can get a shortstop and a bat, a power bat Two very big needs for this team. You know, because, um, well, I don't know if you heard that last night, but
1: I, I did not. I, I had signed off by then, but here's the other thing about Carlos Correa. I am a big Dave Dombrowski fan. And I, I, I think he and Theo Epstein are going to go down as the best GMs ever to run this organization. And, a lot of people don't like Dombrowski because he strips farm systems. I defend it because I always look at the trades he's made and the people he's actually traded away and how their value has really not been as good as you know people thought. In other words, he's, he's, he's identified those guys that were not going to be uh, impact players and he's traded them away. Nothing's come back to hurt him. So here's my point. The Dombrowski idea is that you have minor league talent to trade away from major league production. I've always liked that idea and I always thought it was important, especially in a big market like Boston. So get back to Korea. What happens if you sign Korea for two or three years? And in that period of time, he's healthy, he's fine, he's having great seasons. Why couldn't you make Marcelo Mayer expendable if you could get, and I'm talking about like the next Pedro Martinez in terms of pitching. Now, whether that you want to talk Sandy Alcantara or anybody else, but that would be one of your biggest bargaining chips, but he would be blocked by a Carlos Correa that you could potentially whatever and probably get to an eight to 10 year deal with him. Just kind of bring it along as is. But the idea is, is that, you know what? He's blocked. He's blocked at third. He's blocked. Sure. We don't know about second base, but that's a perfect opportunity to move him for some starting pitching.
0: Absolutely. When starting pitching like right now, and it has been a very big, it's probably the, one of the biggest question marks, if not the biggest question mark on the team right now. And I'll I'll talk about, you know, if you get Bogarts for that six, seven, eight year deal, then you can move Marcela Meyer. because, as you said, Jim, minor league prospects are projects. They're not always gonna be an A. They could be a bad prospect. We saw G- Jeter Downs. He was a top, 50 prospect maybe top 25 in some analysts mind in 2020 just to become DFA in 2022 there. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Marcelo Meyer and he is no different from any of them. He is not a wander Franco. He is not a Vladimir Guerrero jr. At least not yet. He is not one of those guys and his value is so high. And And maybe if he gets promoted to double A, maybe he struggles. Maybe he does hit 235 and not a lot of homers and not a lot of, um, and maybe his on base isn't that high. That's a possibility. He's a prospect and getting major league talent and using Dombrowski's philosophy is good. Sometimes not, you know, and completely depleting a farm system is not the way to go. But if you have pieces, you can move around, like, You know, we have Meyer, you have, what's his face, Uh, Matthew Lugo, uh, Mikey Romero, possibly. You can definitely move one of them and get a good starting pitcher if you package that them in, you know?
1: Right. So look, look, you know, at the, you know, at the very simple, basic level, right? You know, the definition of a prospect is someone that is likely to succeed or is a potential customer, client, whatever. But again, a person regarded as likely to succeed, there is no guarantee. When you have a guy that has been in the major leagues for, you know, two, three, four, five seasons, six seasons, whatever it is, and you can evaluate those numbers, I don't care if you want to use actual stats or the eyeball test or whatever, you know what you're getting. I know we, we always argue about paying for past performance, but what you know, you look at Devers and you can say, I could see him being a 280, 25 to 30 home run guy for the next eight, nine, 10 years.
0: Yep. It's
1: it's more likely than a prospect being likely to be successful. And so that's why you sell high when you can, you have to identify the good ones, and you have to but you know, dump off the bad ones. Um <laughs> you know you brought up um a couple guys and i'll bring up bobby dollback right yes. bobby dollback bobby in his rookie year hit what 21 home runs something like that
0: 21 it was in the covid season yeah. no 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 sorry 21 2021 yeah 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 sorry so then,
1: so don't... here so here's my point um if you had sold high on him at the right time like when he went ape shit in the second half of 21 um that would have been the time to sell and You probably would have gotten something of value now. He looks like a guy that you just got to get out, you just got to get rid of him. Like, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if he got DFA'd. I know it's a stretch, but I think you understand my point. His, I do. Value, his value has dropped so drastically that he's become worthless to your organization. Yes, he and. He- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. He's become a change of scenery guy, you know, yes. and a mm-hmm. quadruple a player like, you know, Duran, D- Duran and Dahlbeck are guys who need changes of scenery. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, Duran is one of those that he kind of like screwed himself. Right. With yeah. that, with, with that, with that, Woe was me, you know, fly ball to center field that that was not a good look. But the point being is, is that even from the offensive side, um, we were all disappointed. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, just imagine trading Duran before he had major league major league experience and packaging um, him up in a trade that led you to, I don't know, a Tim Anderson or whatever. Okay. The point being, the point being is, is that you would have looked back at that now and you would have (laughs) said, we got Tim Anderson for Jaron Duran. Okay. It's the same thing as looking back and saying, you know, we got K- Craig Kimbrell, essentially, for freaking um, Mar-, 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 Mar Margot. I mean, you know, mini Margot. It's like, <laughs> I'll do that all day.
0: <laughs> and, and I'll, yeah, and back to and I'll, this last thing I'll say, and then I'll get to my uh, last big, big question. When, you know, at the deadline in 21, which we only got Schwarber and then Robles and Davis, you could have packaged Duran and got a big impact starting pitcher or relief arm, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And then that kind of leads into my last point. I know we're running a little bit short on time. Um, You know, Miami is, you know, I think they're calling and we're calling at them for a starting pitcher, you know, who, who, in your opinion, would we trade for? And who's your best um, pitcher on that team you would want?
1: So it, it, who I want is the easiest answer. Who I would trade is a little bit more complicated. So what I would do is I would go back and I look at the Chicago White Sox in 2016, had Chris Sale, uh, who had three years of co- control left on his team-friendly contract. Um, and, you know, Dombrowski wound up trading, um, you know, Michael Kopek and... Um, What's his name? Um,
0: Johan Moncada.
1: Johan Moncada. And at that time, we really didn't know what, um, you know, Michael Kopek was. He had potential, but again, he was a prospect. Mankata, on the other hand, was supposed to be, you know, the next, I don't know, Adrian Beltre, the next Manny Ramirez, the next Hanley Ramirez, however you want to define him. He was supposed to be the next, you know, every year all-star. And he came up. I remember this was a, uh, a time in, in um, the year that he came up. He was, they were in Anaheim. That guy didn't look, didn't know how he, they put him at third base. He looked God awful and he had no ability. He, he, he looked completely overmatched the plate. Um, so Dombrowski identified that and he got rid of him and he got Chris sale for those two players. So with that being said, I look at Miami and I say, OK, Miami, how much are they willing to move to get a bat? Because I read the Miami Herald, an article in there, and it said that they are really salivating for a bat. And so I look at the Red Sox and I say, OK, um, your best pitcher, Miami, is your um, Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara. That's the guy I identify. Um and so how can I get him? Because if he's under four years control, and so if Chris Sale costs me a pitcher and an impact hitter, could I get Sandy Alcantara for maybe a Tristan Cassis, a Jared Duran, a Bobby Dahlbeck, um, a Houck, um, you know, a Mata, something like that where they're getting – major league ready talent that they could probably put into their games starting in spring and not have two or three years down the road. And you're getting back a a guy who's going to be a front end starter in your rotation. And don't forget other people were asking about Chris sale. So could you get an Alcantara, put him as your ACE and then go and move? Sailor Paxson? I don't know. I rule out nothing. But you know what? Give me him. My second choice would be either Lopez or a you know and a Cabrera. Cabrera's got a lot of upside. but these guys are cost controlled. They're controlled for well, Alcantara's four years. you know, the other ones are six. I can put them and I can rely on them to be in my rotation for five or six seasons.
0: Agreed, you know, and another guy you haven't mentioned is Sedane Rafaela, the high prospect or the top prospect for the Red Sox who plays center field. People say the bat is um, uh, not there because he had that insane stretch in triple A. Like his bat wasn't good in double A or uh, high A Greenville, but you know, who knows? And like you said, prospects are prospects, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of Defense in the minor leagues does not always translate to the major leagues. Sure. Now, now they say it's ready, but it's also, they is also, they've also been very wrong. You know, they're wrong with Duran. You know, Duran was supposed to be the next Jacoby Ellsbury with power. Did that happen, Jim? No. No. prospect I, I would, after after your points, I would definitely move Raffaella if I'm getting a pitcher like Pablo Lopez, who's proven, but Edward Cabrera, you know, I think the jury's still out on him, whether he's going to be good, but a lot of upside in him. And like you said, you know, I'm still in your words. You know, I take, I'd take calls on Casas if I'm the Red Sox, because maybe the only reason I'd move him is if I'm getting Alcantara or maybe two of the other Miami pitchers, would you agree?
1: Yeah. Sure, and, and here's the other thing. Back to Chris Sale, you know, and and, and, and also to Pedro Martinez, right? Back when uh, Dan Duquette was able to trade uh, Tony Armers Jr. Um, for and um, Carl Pavano, who went to my high school, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, trading those two guys uh, for Pedro Martinez, who just came off a Cy Young award. Those opportunities, okay those opportunities in baseball don't grow on trees. And so when you're, pre, when you're a team like the Montreal Expos at that time, when you're a team like the Miami Marlins and you're given an opportunity and someone tells you, we're going to listen on, you know, our number one stud, you know, uh, ace pitcher. you got to try like hell to get those guys at almost all cost, because you know what you're getting, you know, they're studs. And if you don't do it, someone else might, um, they don't grow. Like I said, the opportunities don't grow on trees. You can't start walking over dollars to pick up dimes and say, no, I don't want to part with this one. I don't want to part. You can get the next prospect. You can get the next number three starter. You can get the next number five starter. Those guys don't grow on trees man.
0: <laughs> wow, you hit it spun on there, Jim. Um, but yeah, any any final uh thoughts as we wrap it up here?
1: You know, like I said, the jury's out on this season, right? I mean, it, it, I I you know, we've talked about this before. I look at the 2023 Red Sox and I say, I see a team that could win 75 ball games. I could see a team that wins 90 ball games. And that's going to be the difference of whether my grade on Heim Bloom stays at a D or goes right to a B+. The reality is, is that there's a lot of question marks and not a lot of answers. On paper, I like what I see, but is it going to translate to the season? We have no idea. It's probably a season that is a bridge year. Um, and unless, you know, in the next four or five weeks, a couple other trades come along like we've been talking about tonight, which you know puts you in a different perspective um, of what they think the twenty three seasons going to look like. Well, then that's a completely different story. So you know, I love baseball, and at the end of the day, I'm going to watch every game, and I'm going to root. You know, as pessimistic as sometimes I sound, um, I'm going to root for every one of them, and I want them to do well. And when Turner hits a home run and he's like, you know, got his hands up in the air and I I'm thinking Shane Victorino all over again, I'm going to be happy as, as shit. So yeah, I'm going to enjoy the season. I just want meaningful games at the end of the year. I don't want what I had this year where it was like, I'm ready to turn off in the end of August.
0: Uh huh. Totally agree with you. So Jim, thank you so much for coming on. And Hey, it was, it's, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah. Same here. Alrighty. See ya.